Three mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 69. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Urquiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And for the first time, we are um, bringing Ruth in virtually. Ruth, I'm pretty, I'm happy to see you, but I am also really sad that you're not sitting across the real table from us. This is the second time we've had Ruth virtual. Oh, that's true. On our podcast. Yeah. We were in Richmond one time and, and, uh, and Ruth was joined us from the beach. Yeah. That was a little happier time to be virtual. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. We had to make the tough decision that our, our morning runs and our, in our in-person podcast was no longer, we probably were you know, like a Probably week or two. pushed it a couple weeks past when we should have. Yeah. But I kept seeing all these tweets of people like, don't run in groups, run alone, you know, do the work that the rest of us are doing. And so I got twi- Twitter guilted into. There was a study yeah. going around in some, you know, cool computer generated 1987 graphics oh, awesome. of, you know, this like person run in front and sneezing and how the something, something would go behind them and being... I do, you know, the the race photography I do. I follow a lot of runners on Facebook and people are throwing this thing around left and right. And all of a sudden it was, pro, you know, found out that it was not real oh. or it wasn't even a real study or, or <laughs> something. And then all these all these people, you know, just like really egg on their face. And yeah. you know, a couple of them really, you know, I thought it was fun. Maybe not not fun. I was appreciative that they, you know, they got up there and said, you know what? I should have looked harder before I shared something. You know, they, yeah. you know, they, they. They owned it that I shared something before I didn't look into it, and turns out it was not true, and I feel like a jerk. Well, that kind of thing. Yeah. Nonetheless, I miss seeing you every day, friend. And I will have to admit that I have not run at yeah. all. Yeah. Do you think you, you will? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, not by myself. Yeah. And my husband would have to say, let's go running, and he's like barely making it up the stairs because of his sciatic nerve so yeah yeah i ran twice and i missed you a lot i had to listen to podcasts or a book on tape because i'm not used to Uh quiet morning runs (laughs) so a friend of mine on facebook was like help i have to paint this whole room what podcast should i listen to and i was like math before breakfast (laughs) and it was like six hours later and she replied is this a joke (laughs) that's funny i wonder if she had listened to it and was like I said, well, actually, I expected that comment to come a lot sooner than a couple hours. Like, I expected you to be right on it. And that kind of just opened up all these other people saying, oh, that would not be a way I would want to start my day with math. Oh, no. And I was like, just give it a chance. My friend and I do it. And then they're all like, that's your podcast? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) They just thought I was recommending one. So it was fun. And a couple friends was like, well, I listened to it once. I'm like, well, did you like us and give us a thumbs up? Yeah. So. I, I did have a former um, teacher friend, or she's not a former friend, but she's a former colleague, Justine, who told me that she's been listening to our podcast on, oh, her, cool. on her walks lately. So that was pretty exciting. Shout out to Justine if she listens to this episode. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to... Um, hear about how Ruth's week went and or at least part of it right and then talk about Mm -hmm. what you're thinking for next week um I have a a 
two Twitter things to share, I would say. Um, I don't have too many reflections about my kids' own week because I feel like I stayed busy with my own work and didn't really <laughs> buy in too much to what they were doing. But anyway, let's start with Ruth and hear about your week. Um, I just finished listening to the last episode and writing the show notes, and you were we were excited about your recipe activity task I guess maybe is better than activity so why don't you like quickly say what the task was and then how did it go sure so it was really important heading into week two of this DLP program that we're doing that I minimize the amount of work Um, parents were overwhelmed the first week we kind of talked about the fact that they had to learn the technology and learn the fractions and let's be honest The first week I was asking them to model multiplication fraction problems. So it didn't really matter if your parents told you you could multiply across the top and bottom. That didn't help you model them. Yeah. So it was frustrating overall. So week two, um, I taught you the algorithm. We talked about simplifying. And then I had you do it in real life. So I gave you the option of chocolate chip cookies or Play-Doh. And I created a table. Um... I learned a couple things about Google Slide, like if you make a table, then it's really good to make it exactly how you want it, save it as a picture, that particular slide, and then paste it onto the slide, and then add text boxes so that a student is only typing in a text box and not deleting table lines or deleting your text. Hmm. I feel like that was really helpful. I didn't have a lot of freakouts, like... The whole table went away. Did you, you know, figure that out yourself? Because every single you text get... box was separate. Did you figure that out yourself, or did you get that from somebody else? Um, I got it from someone else. It would be great if I could remember her name. Um, I can link her video in the show note. She's a IT specialist and a fourth grade teacher, and she has this YouTube channel that she is, does everything Google. And I think someone found her when Google Classroom was coming and she's just been bombarded with can you make a video about this can you make a video about this she does really good short snippet videos so i will put her in there i can't remember anything about her her name or anything so these google slides were slides that you were sending students for them to do work on it wasn't just a presentation it was interactive so i wanted that slide to be something that they would edit but having a student edit a table she explained Um, was difficult. And the other thing she said, which I thought was pretty cool, was that she always changes the page setup of her Google Slides to eight and a half by 11, so that if a kid ever has to print something, it's formatted to print. Yeah, because neither of the standard sizes print well. One's too wide, one's too tall. That's cool. Those are good hints. Yeah, they were. Um, Anyways, and then at the end of the video, I was like, so here's your recipes and please try to do this table by yourself independently in column a write down your ingredient then write down how much and then they had to write twice their ingredient half of their ingredient and one and a half times their ingredient so just three vertical columns where they were just multiplying and my directions were multiply the number in column b by one and a half and write it like i told them it wasn't even a well, how do you make it one and a half times bigger? Right. <laughs> um, but I had a couple parents who texted me and were like, we made these cookies and we actually made it one and a half times bigger. And 
we predicted how many cookies we were going to get since we were making the recipe one and a half times bigger. Cool. So it was cool. Like, um, I didn't, I didn't have anybody say this was too hard or, you know, I will, I have found out that there's a lot of times in the classroom that I can change stuff on the fly <laughs> yeah. because I've made a mistake Yeah. or I didn't ask the question the right way. Like my question was, if you're baking cookies and you only have a one fourth cup, how could you give one and a half cups of flour? But I didn't say it like that. I said, you need one and a half cups of flour and you don't have a half cup measuring. You only have a one fourth. How could you use it? Well, those, my students interpreted that they would use the one cup and then they would put two fourths in there. Well, in the classroom, you can really quick change that and get the, you know, ask the question so that you get the right answer. Yeah. But when you've put it in a Google slide and people have already turned it in and you've made it a picture so it's not editable. <laughs> <laughs> You just throw up your hands and say, okay, I'll take both answers, however you interpreted it. And that's when you write down that note and you fix it for next time. Yeah. So <laughs> that's where we are now. Quarantined. <laughs> um, heading into next time, which is fraction division, which, you know, we're going to start with modeling. And then I'm going to show them two ways that their parents probably didn't know you could divide fractions. And I'm not going to let them use the algorithm until Thursday, which... I know I'm going to get some pushback, but doggone it. I just can't drop the, like, it's so important for you to know why. I know we talked about that. Like, you know, it's online learning. Just let them do it and practice. But I just can't. I need them to be able to see the relationship between fraction division and whole number division. Yeah. I have a question about the recipe. How many times bigger did... Whereas, I guess, the different ways you asked them to do it. You said like one and a half times. One and a half times bigger, two times bigger, and half okay. the recipe. I thought of like one and a half, two, three, and then some mom emails you, I've got 72 chocolate chip cookies, what do I do with these things? <laughs> Take them to your neighbors. <laughs> That's funny. It was funny because I had a friend of mine and she was like, so you said she could make cookies and that's all she wants to do. I was like, well, <laughs> sorry. And then I said... But I wouldn't trust this recipe because I haven't tested it. And I just tried to find the chocolate chip recipe that had the most variety of fractions in the ingredients. (laughs) She's like, yeah, I already told her I wasn't going to trust any recipe you had. (laughs) She knows you well. Well, and she's a really good cookie baker. Uh If you want to make cookies, you'll use my recipe. Yeah. So um, did I hear you say that you were going to try Loom this week? Because we've talked about that on last week's podcast. I Yeah. So I've put together this Google slide presentation with animations. And, you know, as you're making it, you're thinking about what you would write. I, <laughs> I haven't figured out, can I write while I'm recording with Loom? I, I don't even know there's a way to write on a... Write on what? On a Google slide. Yeah. I think you're only... This is what I would suggest that you'd have to like bounce back and forth in two different windows like or two different tabs so if you had your google slide open in one and then you had another tab that you could like jump over to some other program that you're going to write in like 
bit paper is the one I've heard people talk about lately. Um, so I think you'd have to toggle back and forth. I was actually thinking about just putting a little whiteboard right here behind me on my easel and sure. moving my head out before. of the circle of loon and writing in the circle. Go for it. I think yeah. it's a good idea. And just make your, you, you can change the size of your head, like the size of your bubble. <laughs> no, wait, that sounded funny. You can change. Why didn't the, you tell me that years ago? Yeah, you can change. Yeah, that would help, help you. No joke. Change the size of the bubble the, of the video. And so when you do that, make yourself really big so that they can see it. Otherwise, it'll be tiny. Okay. But if she has taken a video of a thing on the wall, that's going to be her. I mean, if she she can't make herself small and have the video of the, of the board behind but her. But I feel wall. like I would be gone. Like I would move out of the circle and you would just see the whiteboard in my handwriting. But it, in all honesty, I am adding all these crazy text boxes that are going to just fly in in yeah. this animation. I also wonder if you're if it would be backwards. The video. Of- she may see it backwards on hers. But what's delivered to the students should be the correct way. Okay. Like right okay. now, stuff on her, I can see that it's, um, well, I can't now, but earlier I could, well, I know what, how your living room is set up. So I can tell mm. that I'm looking at it correct because I see the dresser and not the jukebox. <laughs> oh, right. So that's another thing. When I'm hosting a Zoom and I'm like holding this paper up for you to see, is it backwards to my students? No, it's backwards to you because we're used to looking in a screen and showing us a mirrored okay. version of it. Because but what it delivers to me is correct. Stuff is backwards when they're showing it to me. It's backwards? My students, like, I didn't know if it was just the host that's not backwards. But sometimes my students have written on whiteboards. I mean, wait, it is entirely possible that they wrote it backwards thinking they were going to turn it around to show me. <sighs> Wow. I think oftentimes people get confused and I could, you know, there are definitely, this could be not the case in a lot of places, but when you see like, like I'm looking at a zoom screen right now and I see your face, but I also see the, like the video thumbnail of us and the video thumbnail of us is mirrored. We're on Mm. the opposite side of each other than we really sit in. But what you see is they correct it for you because we're used to seeing mirrored versions of videos whenever, you know, because of, you know, Instagram or looking in a mirror or just, it's you know, it's okay. It's it's kind of that's the way it's done to make it recognizable for us when we see our own video. But it's supposed to correct it when it sends it to the student or to, you know, to whoever else is on the call. Now, there is options in certain programs where you can intentionally mirror the video or whatever to to do that but as a default the person on the other end of the line or the other end of the zoom should see it correct they should not see a reversed image okay so are there any other did you have were there any other changes for next week that you wanted to talk about or do you talk about all of them um so help me through my like let me just tell you real quick what i'm going to do for the week Monday is a day off, so I'm not doing anything for Monday. Tuesday, Mm -hmm. students are going to watch me model some problems. We're going to do some problems in context, and then they're going to have to make a model, take a picture of it, and submit it. Okay. So that's Tuesday. Wednesday, 
I'm going to teach them how to look for whether or not you can divide across the top and the bottom, that strategy, and also how you can find common denominators and divide fractions. So two strategies that are really cool. Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to do four problems for each of those after they've watched me teach it and then submit a picture of them having them solved. Okay. So now I'm at um, Thursday mm -hmm. and they're going to watch uh, my YouTube video that's called Fraction Division and learn stay switch flip using the reciprocal. So then Friday, I just need some kind of like, not a test, but something that would count as an assessment, like almost a problem that they could tackle knowing that their parents are probably going to be there to help them. And I found one. Um, let me see. I got it off of C Palms. Have we talked about that website before? I don't think so. Um, I've certainly looked at it before. So it was just called um, Dividing Fractions uh, Conceptually, which is kind of what I was looking for. So here's the problem. Um, Maya, Karen, and Claire are baking cookies together. And they need three-fourth cup of flour and a third cup of butter for one batch of cookies. Okay. Okay. So they all bring everything that they have. So Maya brings two cups of flour and a fourth a cup of butter. And Karen brings a cup of flour and a half a cup of butter. And Claire brings one and one-fourth cup of flour and three-fourths cup of butter. And the question says, if they have plenty of other ingredients, the sugar and salt and baking soda, how many whole batches of cookies can they make? Okay. Explain your reasoning. So for me, I'm envisioning them having to figure out, first of all, how much flour they brought, which if you add that together is three and one-fourth. Okay. And so how many three-fourths are in three and one-fourth? And then how many one-thirds are in six-fourths? Is they have um, six-fourths cups of butter? Like, wait. Six-fourths. So three-fourths plus a half plus a fourth. So I just called it six-fourths. Okay. Um, so with the butter, you can make four and a half batches. Okay. And with the flour, um, it's four and a third, I think. Four, four something. Yeah, four and a third. Oh! Good job. Oh, you should see Jay. I wish, <laughs> I wish our audience could see and Jay. And I'm That's not awesome. using a notepad. He was flexing big Boom. time. Yeah. So, Explain your reasoning. Like, I know what I would want a student to say. I would want a student to say, well, you can make four batches and then you're going to have this much left over of butter. But I don't know if I need to, I don't know how I need to ask that so that there's not 
so many questions because I spent so much time this week copying the question that I ask and pasting it in the comments that said, Tracy, you didn't read the directions. Please go back and answer this question completely. Like you left part of it out. It's like they read the first sentence and then they answer it and move on. Yeah. So do I create a table that they fill in? I feel like this is a good question. And if you can do this, but I don't know how to ask it so that I can see that you really know what your think what your thought process was. So I'm thinking back to, well, first of all, let's just acknowledge that this is a great problem and this would be so much better in person, right? Like it would, you would know, I feel like you'd know exactly what to do in class to get this oh, to happen. I wouldn't have to plan it. I would yeah. just be like, here's our problem and yeah. you would do it because that whole interaction of like just seeing the kids' faces when you read the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know where to go first. So so I'm th- I am thinking to something that I learned in um, the Empowered Problem Solving Workshop that I just finished. And he talked about, this was um, through Grassroots Workshop, Robert Kaplinsky's um, like online workshop that we did at my school. And he, he actually gave you, f- in his workshop, he gave you four options for assessing problems, okay. problems like this. So the first one was just don't. Like, just make it be about the process and not so much about the product, which I think is not what you're going for in this case. Well, I feel like if I were in class, that was absolutely where I would go. Yeah. Because I would be able to look at their papers. But if I just say, don't turn it in. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's kind of hard to assess the process when you can't see the process. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and there might be a lot more going on that you didn't see. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the second one he called a general purpose purpose rubric which was just um, basically, did you get the right answer? And do you have enough um, justification, enough reasoning to justify the answer? So he he showed us one. I think this is probably his go-to in the beginning, which it was like zero if you didn't get the right answer, one if you got the right answer, and then um, zero. Like then, So it was like two points, basically. One point for getting the right answer, one point for having sufficient justification sufficient reasoning to justify your answer so that's a rubric with two criterion two criteria and each criterion only has a zero and a one option but he said in here that you could change it to zero to five points you know you could you could make your scale be as big as you want on both of those Mm -hmm. you know so Mm -hmm. you might say um like for example you in the question you said how many whole batches you know and maybe they um, didn't give it the answer that way. They would say four and a half and four and a third or whatever, they, you know, however many it was. So you could adjust it if you if you widened it a little bit. Or maybe, like, they didn't use a um, unit. They just said four. They didn't give a four batches. I don't know. Um, and then, I mean, they could just say you have – you could use those words. You have to give enough reasoning to justify why I, your answer. Yeah. So I could say, do you have – a whole number answer with the correct unit. Yeah. Um, and then is there sufficient reasoning to justify your answer? Yeah. I think I I think that is good. And then okay. it's a 10 point and I could even count it as a 10 point assessment. Yeah. Um, His, do you want to hear the other two just while yeah. we're at it? Um, he called the next one problem specific rubric. 
And the tricky part about this one is that he said you can't give it ahead of time because if you give too much, if they gate if they got some of this rubric, then they kind of know how to solve it potentially. You know, because right. you might be looking for, you know, your your problem specific rubric might say something like figured out how much flour there was altogether, right. figured out how much butter there was altogether, and if if they saw that rubric, then it's taking away some of their thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. Okay. So you're talking about like the explanations for the different levels of achievement. The explanation for say level two explains how, you know, did in the explanation, it talks about solving the problem and they would know how to solve the problem by reading that explanation. In the, in the rubric. Yeah. It, in the rubric. Yeah. Yeah. In the rubric it, it gives, almost gives away something. But, you know, if you were assessing just not for a grade, but assessing like just to help you know what do they know, then this would be a good kind, I think. So I'm thinking, could I do it twice? Like, could I show you the rubric that says you have your whole answer and sufficient reasoning to justify it and then use this problem specific one for my own to give them feedback? Like you could have been you could have justified your answer more if you had told me how much flour you had in all. Yeah. I would say use the same rubric, but your feedback can be specific to the problem. Yeah. So what Does else? Does that make sense? I mean, looking at this problem, how much flour in all, how much butter in all, did you write your division problem somewhere? Right? Like, would I, would I want to see three and one-fourth divided by three-fourths for you to justify your... I, I didn't do head. that. No? I I mean, I when I solved it, I thought to myself, okay, three-fourths, I'm going to use three-fourths out of the first cup. So th- the problem we're doing is three, four, three and one-fourths cup divided by three-fourths. So when I solved this, I thought um, three-fourths cup in the first cup, first whole cup. There's a three-fourths in the next whole cup. There's a three-fourths mm-hmm. in the next whole cup. And now I have a fourth left over from each of those cups and one more fourth left over. And I can only get one more batch out of that. I mean, I am dividing, but I didn't have to write the division problem to solve that. I just thought about how many I could see inside of it. Okay. But. but so tell me about the next one. What's his last rubric? Um, so before we move on, though, I do think. It might help you to to write down some things that you're looking for before you sit down and grade them. You know, like I think it could help you to write this these kinds of things. Okay, this final one was a practice specific rubric, so it's a little more general in like um, check to make sure that it made sense or um, define your variables or you know whatever or saw to pat look for a pattern whatever like mathematical mm. practice you are working on at the time okay so go back and help me grade these what am i looking for so that you get a five for sufficient reasoning to justify your answer okay so definitely tell how many what's your total amount of flour and your total amount of butter Mm -hmm. and then i think you need either the division problem for each one 
mm-hmm. or some other thing that is where you did the process of division conceptually. Like a skip counting kind of thing or yeah. a tape diagram. Yeah. Okay. Or I mean, in my mind, I'm th- I was, I would do a model. I would draw three and one fourths and then I would shade in three fourths in this one, three fourths in this one, three fourths in this one, circle the leftover fourths, put those together to be in one more. Okay. Um, and then the final thing I think is four, like having the four batches, having the answer and a unit. But I also think a really complete answer would, or maybe this is an extra credit point in this particular case. I don't know. I think a really complete answer would talk about you had these leftover parts, but it didn't make a whole nother one. So that didn't help you. You couldn't say five. You know, I think acknowledging Mm -hmm. the leftover would be a really complete answer. you You had enough ingredients for more than four batches, why did you only make four batches? Yeah. Okay. So in order to get your five points for your justification and your reasoning, you have your flour, your butter, your model division problem, your answer with the unit, and your leftovers. That's your five points. So that's how I read your answer and decide whether or not you've given me sufficient reasoning. And then your answer... Maybe it's just two points. Like you either got or zero to maybe it's just one point. Maybe you got your um you said four or you didn't. Yeah. I just I don't know. I just want to give them all the benefit of the doubt. Because they don't have you there prompting them, like, that's not a complete answer. You know, show me how right. you, you know, <laughs> like, like, that's, that's the tricky part is having yeah. their, the grade depend on having all the parts and you're being kind of vague. <laughs> and it's the last day. So it's not fair when you wait until Sunday at midnight to turn in your stuff and everyone else has had all week of me saying, hey, try again, you know, because, yeah. I, I said I sit down at like 8.30 in front of this computer and I just answer emails all day long. So how can we help them be successful the first time in this particular context? Maybe. Do I tell them what I'm looking for? I mean, maybe it's a problem-specific rubric. Be sure your answer includes your total amount of flour and butter. Can you give them a problem with different ingredients and different numbers, but solve it, you know, demonstrate how you go about figuring it out so that they see that procedure, but they don't have, they can't just copy it because it's not the same numbers or units or ingredients. Or is there some way or would it even work to say solve it? you know, write and make sure that you have the correct answer and enough insufficient evidence to prove your answer or whatever. Before you turn it in, look at this rubric I'm going to use to grade it, you know, so that if they're actually following your instructions, they would try it and then open that up and go back and edit their work. 
Is that? Oh, she giggled when you said she giggled when you said go back and edit their work. Yeah. 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 Well, I just like they've watched those videos in my class. Not a lot this year, but I can't tell you how many kids emailed me and said, where's the show what you know? It's at the end of the video when I say push pause and show what you know. (laughs) Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Well, where are the problems? Just keep watching the video, like, all the way to the end. Yeah. Yeah. If you could just see the questions that they have. And sometimes it might be just because they're by themselves and they just want to talk, like... Well, then I think, yes, put the problem-specific rubric in there because that is go. You know, the kids that aren't going to read are not going to read anyway, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I think that helps, you know, the first time they see exactly what you want and it's... You know, it's not not that it's going to ever get high stakes, but it's, you know, you're giving them more this time to help them understand what you're looking for so that next time they know what you're looking for, but it's a different question or it's a different example. I I think about all this stuff, too, but I feel like by the time we could get it, like we figure out this whole online school, I'm going to have a new set of kids and we're going to be back in the classroom. Yep, for sure. You know? Our, our our own kids asked an interesting question at dinner the other night about like how have, how has this experience changed oh, you? Yeah. We we ask a, a a dinner question every night, and sometimes yeah. me and Jay think of it, and sometimes the kids think of it. And Adley asked, "How has it changed you?" And I don't remember who answered. I don't think I answered yet. And she kind of sat back. She goes, "Hmm, I was hoping for more positive." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Adley said that, but but I do think that like let's hope that this does impact our teaching in some way you know Mm -hmm. even if it's just making us thankful for being in the classroom with our kids that are gnarly and annoying like what (laughs) gnarly and annoying like i don't know what an advantage it is to have them in front of you in in the flesh you know Um, well and you just don't think about like how many times you respond to just a facial expression yeah you know, that's, like that's, I had a dad who was like, Mrs. E, you absolutely know that he understands this. Why are you making him type it again? I'm like, he's not in front of me. And I, I don't absolutely know that he understands how to do it because he didn't answer the question correctly. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, I just gave up and was like, if you feel like he knows how to do it, he doesn't need to answer it. <sighs> I'm not trying to cause any more stress. Yeah. I think that's the route to take whenever we can, for sure. Yeah. I know that not being able to see students and reading faces is something that my faculty have. And, you know, a a lot of them have found things about going online that they enjoy. And a lot of them have had the chance to to kind of take another look at their their courses and their curriculum. And some of them have, have made really good choices of editing some things and changing some things. But over and over, if they're in a course where they cannot read people's faces and kind of, you know, read the room and feel, and that's, and that's true. And and that's, and that's one of the hard things to try to um, find a substitute for is watching facial expressions and seeing just a quick glance and seeing who is, appears to be ready to go on or, or, or who you can throw a quick question at to, to check and know whether they're ready for the next thing or not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to talk about your week? I don't think so. I think my favorite meme this week was, it's like, 
this little kid going down the sliding board and the sliding board is a cheese grater. <laughs> that was a good one. Like that's how I feel about said if if, 2020. if 2020 was a sliding board. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Like, like there's really cool sliding board and at the very end, like the last six feet's a cheese grater. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to share two Twitter wins this week. Um, one is our corn tiles. And these are um, tiles that were inspired, I think, by Christopher Danielson's blocks. He's got these 3D Duh, 3D blocks. Um, he's got these cubes that have six different types of um, designs on. And like, we don't have any yet. No, they were. That's amazing. They were. They were fairly expensive. Well, so, I mean, you haven't asked me to make any yet. Oh well, I did bring <laughs> home some cubes from school just for that purpose. So hold on. Um, but the the lovely internet people created a, another version. I think Nat. Banting might be the mastermind behind that, but basically he created flat ones um, that have the same designs on them. And so a set has, um, think think of a square, right? And then a set would be like a fully colored painted one, like a solid color, and then um, where it's split in half on the diagonal, so a, tri- a triangle, and then you put two side by side and you make, you split that big rectangle into a on the diagonal to make a triangle so i know this is getting really complicated i'll put his we will post. put some pictures up there. yeah he wrote a great yeah. like post about it um but anyway it makes these really cool tiles and so um finally i saw i've been seeing people try it but with like minimal instructions on the on on mit boss and finally um he wrote a post and somebody said here are the tiles to buy and i was like jay profit we're doing it so he bought um two about 200 tiles. Mm-hmm. They ended up sending us more, a prime number amount, Ruth. Be excited. 227, right? We got, yeah, we, we bought 200 and they got us 227, which was awesome. And then we had to check and see if it was a prime number, of course. Um, because you weren't here to tell us off the top of your head. Right. Th- would you have known? That 227 was prime? Yes. yes. Oh, but I, I, I really would have said you. 201 because that's the first prime number after 200. Uh, oh, it's not prime. Sorry. 203. 201 is uh, not prime. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, because it's divisible by three. Anyway, um, so I made some and finished them last night, and I think they're quite beautiful. And I haven't I haven't played with them too much yet because I was letting them dry, but I'm excited about that. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then my other internet win, I think, this week is Howie Waugh, who is a – we've talked about him before. He is a um, – a teacher of future teachers at Fresno State, and he is just rolling out the math dad jokes. I don't. He's not. I don't think he is a dad, but his math jokes are. You don't are, have to be a dad to roll out the dad jokes. Um, just so here's one that Jay Prophet really appreciated this week. Okay, or today I think he says one of my favorite math topics is line segments of a circle. It just strikes a chord with me. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. He did make another one about um he did take another one about about prime numbers. This one's for you, Ruth. People who like even numbers. I like even numbers. People who like odd numbers. I like odd numbers. People who like prime numbers. Prime numbers are amazing. They are so unpredictable. Did you know that there are infinitely many primes? <laughs> and then he said, the follow-up tweet says, hope this doesn't come across as shaming people who like prime numbers. I just really like their passion and their reasoning. He was prime shaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. Oh. 
Those are good. That's sunny. Oh, I, my son just turned 23, and I was like, it's prime. It's a prime year. <laughs> it's like, Mom, stop. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I think that you should, everyone, check out Howie Wah because his jokes are just awesome we'll these days. We'll have to make sure and, and let him know when this episode comes out so he can, oh, yeah. he can check yeah, it. Maybe I'll like put a joke on each day this week. Oh, and, yeah. like, make the students tell me why it's funny. Oh, that's good. Oh, that is good. Yep. No, right? not a requirement, though, right? Just for fun. Just for yeah. fun. Yeah. Just send me a message if you know why it's funny. Yep. Um, The only... Do you have anything else you wanted to share? No, I'm good. Of? The only other thing is I do think... I'm not... Did we ever talk about, when you did this last year, about your two other ways to divide fractions? You know how you were talking about, like dividing yeah. straight across and making common denominators. Have we already tackled that in a different episode? I don't know. So Maybe we can tackle it next time. Yeah. I was thinking that if we haven't, that like, that's sort of a new thing for me. And I would still say I don't fully have it like, I know that it's true, but I haven't fully wrapped my brain around it. So maybe after you've had a week or so of thinking about it, maybe we could digest that a little bit i think that would be good so we'll save that for in the future all right friend how are we going to end this if we're not going to see each other on a run well first we have to do takeaways do we have any okay i'm busy thinking about that (laughs) (laughs) she's past takeaways yeah um i guess i have one i'll start go for it my takeaway is that well this has been my takeaway for the whole week is just giving, and maybe I've already said this last week, I don't know, giving ourselves a lot of grace. Um, I s- sat down to record this one and was like, I don't have anything to say about parenting and teaching this week, like no good ideas of what I've done with my own kids. Um, and and I could beat myself up about that. Like, this is, you have the all this time to teach your kid and you, you're not. Well, no, really, I don't have all this time to you teach my kid. You posted a cute picture for sibling day. I did? Jay did. Or Jay did. Jay oh, did. See, thanks. Jay. Thanks. <laughs> um, I posted a picture of my children who are siblings and me and my sibling. Yeah. yeah. I did not. But so my my point is don't beat yourself up. You know, give yourself a lot of grace. Um, and when I, when I, if I think about it, I can point to some good things we did this week. We had some, like, on the days I didn't have to start right at 8 o'clock, we played board games together yeah. for an hour um and i taught trip how to use google draw that was pretty cool that was fun. um so you know what that's that's something that's that's okay oh, yeah. so absolutely give yourself some grace in wherever you are in this process that's me that's my takeaway anybody else i got one okay and and this is something that you know i didn't bring up to the faculty i work with right away but you know as you're going through this i know that everybody's struggling and things that are not going the way you want it and things that are you know, over and over, not not yielding the same results that you get in the classroom, but really take this time to examine, you know, what you're doing. Take a look at what you're doing. You may find a, a way to do it while you are teaching online that ends up being a better way to do it in class. Yeah. Um, I had faculty, and, and this is absolutely not something I was telling people the week before they had to take everything online, but actually a, a professor brought it to me and said, you know, this has given me a chance to look through my content and really examine it for what's necessary and what's not. Cool. Um, and you know, some things in the, some things we do out of tradition, out of 
That's the way we want to do it. That's why we've always done it. But is it necessary and is it really helping or is it just something extra that you think is fun? Or, or you know, and it can be other, other things too. You can find new ways of doing things that um, you hadn't thought of before, but this, this situation has forced you to find a new way that ends up being better. So um, don't be afraid to, you know, take some of these ideas and, and keep up with them or, you know, look at some, look at ways how you can, when you go back to the classroom, make things different after going through this experience. Yeah, that's good. For sure. So my takeaway is the Robert Kaplinsky's rubric for yeah. how to grade this week. Yeah. I'm going to implement that in my online and Howie Hawass jokes. Yeah. I'm going to go find some one awesome. for each day. And if I do the whole thing, like strike a chord, that'll be vocabulary that yeah. I've never taught them and they'll have to do some investigating. So that's good. Awesome. All right. Well, we can't say I'll see you on a run. We okay. can. Well, but why don't we still say it and just say it hopeful for the weeks or months from now? I don't even want to say that word months, Ruth. No. <laughs> All right. So I'll see you soon on a run. That, that'll okay. sound hopeful. Okay. I'll be there. All right. Bye. Bye.